Hey, it's Brian House, and you're listening to the Work For It podcast. Our primary focus is business in the workshop. And if you want us to see and discuss your work, use the hashtag WFI Projects on Instagram, and we will shout you out and your projects. Did you know you can support our work for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year? Go to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That's like a burrito. I love burritos. Two, one. Hey, hey, what's happening, everybody? It's Brian House here for the Work For It podcast. You are listening to us on whatever day of the week it is and on your favorite podcasting platform. I'm here, as always, with my two best friends in the whole world, oh, Benjamin Butler and Brian Cohn. And we have a special guest, special guest, Mr. Ira Housework. And spoiler alert, mute your radio if you don't want to hear this because he was on Forged in Fire and he is the Forged in Fire champion. The champion. Yes. So anyway, we're diving right into the show because we've got so much to talk about. And it seems like every time we get on the show, guys, it's like we're running out of time every time. So I'm just oh, not even going to, I'm not, I just, we got to get right into it, right into it. <laughs> Dive on in. Ira, how you doing, buddy? I mean, first and foremost, let me, let me ask you this. How does it feel to be the Forged in Fire champion? Like, it must be a, such a weird feeling, right? Yeah, I'm doing great, and uh, the Forge and Fire Champion was, it's a super fun thing, a title to be able to say I've had, you know, right. I've watched that show forever, and it's like, hey, I'm one of them. That's cool. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a neat name, too, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's like, you know, I always think you about mean, that. You like, mean our last name is neat? Is that what you're trying to no. say? <laughs> no, not, not at For all. For those of but... you who don't know, my full last name is Housework, and Ira's last name is Housework. Yeah. It's spelled slightly differently, so there's right. like this. There's a there was a deviation at some point in our family history. My grandfather or great grandfather removed the A, mm. like probably sometime around World War II. Simplified it a little bit, but Ira, I've got a story that'll blow your mind. Are you ready for this? So just I, I also have to say that Ira and I didn't know each other existed up until maybe a few months ago. So That's crazy. And he's in the same space, which all this stuff, all these coincidences, <laughs> I know. It, it just it's out of control. Like, what so are the are chances you... that you're like long lost related and you work with metal and you make blades, you know, yeah. like all these coincidental things. It's very weird. So. All right. So I back in 1998, I moved to a little tiny town in the middle of the cornfields outside of Chicago called DeKalb, Illinois. Hmm. And Brian, uh, are, do you know what a phone book is, Brian? Have you ever seen? <laughs> of a course phone book? I do. Come on, I'm not that young. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, all right. I just want to, I want to make sure you know what one oh, is before geez. I start this long thing. So, um, so I'm sitting in my apartment. It's a little one bedroom apartment in this little town, and I just moved there. I know nobody. I get back then. You had to have like a house phone. There was no like. You had cell phones, but they were very expensive, and I didn't have one. So I had just like a landline. And I'm sitting in my apartment, maybe like been there for a month or two or whatever, and my phone rings. I'm like, well, who's got this number other than like my family? You know, nobody ever called me on the landline. 
I pick it up and it's a woman on the other end. And she says, I just noticed that there's another housework in town, but you're, you spell your name differently. And I thought that was interesting. I got the phone book delivered to my house. I open it up and look at my list. Just through the fucking phone book. No idea, dude. The first and foremost, exactly my first thought was like, why are you looking at your own listing in the phone book? Are you making sure it's right? Right. And I and then she proceeds to tell me about all of our family history uh, way back when the United States was first created. Uh, one of our relatives, um, Solomon Housework, was uh, the first guy to come over. And then he had a brother and they were like the first provincial governors of New Jersey. There's like a whole big, long thing, the historical wow. reference. And then she says to me, well, you know, you have a bunch of family out in Colorado. And I went, okay. And I, you know, and it was, she kind of left it at that. It was like, it was very, like a bunch of people moved west, essentially. Some of the housewards stopped in Illinois, in that area, Indiana, Illinois. And then a a separate segment of them, sometime in the late 1800s, I'm guessing, moved to Colorado. And they were like their brothers or something. Well, then fast forward to 2022, and I get asked by Ron Hardman of uh, Kilroy's workshop to go do uh, a, a teach a class in Colorado. Yeah. And Ira sees my name in like an advertisement for that class and wonders, oh, are we related? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, because there's not very many of us left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's not very many of us left. So um, most of us either died in fiery uh, plane accidents or race car <laughs> right. accidents or something along those lines or, or syphilis or something. I'm not really sure, but when we do not last that long on planet Earth. We, we just don't. Um, but uh, but Ira, welcome to the show. My long lost cousin. Uh, yeah. I, I'm curious. Do you know anything about our family history, like how it divided from, you know, how I ended up in Illinois and you ended up in Colorado? No, my dad really gets into it, and I need to talk to him about it, but uh, no. So some of them went to Kansas, I think, started a farm, had a big farm out there, and then my great-granddad moved to Colorado in 1895, and I actually still live on his farm. Very cool. Is it that, right? So you live on the housework farm that was started back in the late 1800s? Yeah, and then he bought this piece of property that I'm on in like 1915. So yeah, I live in a centennial farm and uh, yeah, we still, still actually raise some beef, some organic grass finished beef and metalwork. Nice. That's Very awesome. cool. I love uh, my, it. my uncle uh, a number of years back started looking into our family history and there always seems to be somebody in a, fa- in a given family, right? That takes an interest in looking it up and he traced us all the way back to Ireland and uh met you know online this must have been about 20 years ago so it was hard to sort of do the research and make the connections and everything but then as time went on he kind of was able to reach out and connect with this guy martin over in ireland who was would have been you know second cousin first removed or i don't know what the hell it was this guy this distant guy so for our honeymoon, Christy and I went to England, Ireland, and Scotland, and we started in Ireland, 
and met up with this guy, Martin, <laughs> and spent the day. And he toured us around and showed us like where the original homestead was and, you know, all this stuff. Was the name stuff. Butler in Ireland as well? Or no, it was, it, Keen. it was Keen. It was Keen. So it would have been name. my grandmother, my dad's, on my dad's mom's side. And then somehow distantly we're related to Robbie Keane, who's a famous soccer player over there. It was kind of just a crazy connection, but we spent the night drinking till we pissed blood in the pub. And you know, <laughs> that's had, a lot of drinking. We had to, uh, I'll never forget. Cause the next, like we had to leave the next morning to drive all the way back to Dublin, which was about an hour and a half, two hour drive. And, uh, we got maybe an hour's worth of sleep, woke back up, you know, still half blitzed and about halfway to freaking, uh, Dublin, there's a damn police checkpoint. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're driving along and I'm like, I don't know if you know this though, Ben, when you, when you pass through a police checkpoint in Dublin, they're making sure you have a certain alcohol right. blood yeah, level. They, well, they must it's be. Not, it's because, not whether or not you're uh, drunk. It's like, are you drunk yeah. enough? They That's must the because so we're driving and I'm like, holy shit, there's lights up there. You know, Christy's like, yeah, there is. And I'm like, yeah, there's a fucking checkpoint. So we pull up to this thing and this guy comes to the car, you know, police officer. And he, you know, hi, how you doing? And this and that. And, you know, small talk. And then he, he, uh, had a device in his hand and I couldn't quite tell what it was. He's like, I'm going to have to have you blowing this lad. And I'm like, oh, fuck. So I like put it to my lips and barely puffed air out of it, you know, like. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're going to have to blow a lot fucking harder than that, lad. <laughs> <laughs> so I hauled back and gave it a good puff. And uh, he goes, walks away back to the, the car. And I'm like, oh, I'm fucking screwed. I'm going to go to prison in Ireland. <laughs> I'm like, I am screwed. He comes, you know, about. Two minutes later, seemed like a half an hour later, but about two minutes later, he comes trotting back and he's like, "Oh, you passed!" <laughs> he's oh like, "Oh my god, day. he let you soak for that long!" <laughs> like, oh my lord! He uh, wanted to see how how high your pulse would get. I guess. Oh man, it was intense. <laughs> was I thought for sure I was gonna meet the the Irish version of Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I that's a great story, Ben. I I appreciate you sharing that. I'm it's glad you did not end story. up in <laughs> yeah in an Irish prison during your honeymoon. That but although it would have been absolutely awesome if you did end up there. And that would have been even a better story. I'm sure we would have gotten more detail yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was sure. pretty intense. Pretty intense. So uh, <laughs> I was circling back around to Ira because Ira, so I, we appreciate you, by the way, ha- taking the time to come hang out Heck with yeah. us uh, today. And and um, and and it's it's re- it's really kind of neat when you see the community rally around somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you got on the show, Forge and Fire. And then we all found out about it. It was all, we were just absolutely could not wait for the episode to come out. And then uh, as we're all watching it, people are sharing, you know, the, you know, their status on your status on the show, trying not to give it away that you've won. And it's like, I, I'm, I watched it, I think two days later after it had aired on Hulu or whatever. 
and I the through the first round I was like Ira has this. I was like mm-hmm. he's got it. They're like I could tell you know when you see enough episodes of that show you realize like but there always is that caveat where somebody makes a great looking knife they've got it all you know on lockdown they're in the third round and something fails you know something breaks and that's what eliminates them because they can't move forward in the in the process of of the elimination so but you did a great job and it was awesome to see your story and and kind of watch you work too because you know some people get on that show and you can tell they're really nervous or they make like a poor choice in in the beginning of the first level of forged in fire and that poor choice sets them back just enough to where they can't move forward watching you work it was almost as if you had thought that blade out even though you didn't know what the challenge was going to be you had thought that idea out and you just moved forward and slam dunked it um is, is that accurate would you say yeah, I think I made some good decisions early on. And like you said, if you make one bad decision in the first five minutes of the, the show, you're, you can be in trouble. And I mean, maybe I got a little lucky also that I didn't make any bad decision. And, but I don't know. I, I've been doing it for a long time, too. So I do a lot of hot metal in the forge and have a pretty good idea what to do. It always seems yeah, that like was really clear. Yeah, it seems like a, a good contest or a good show to really separate folks with a lot of experience from those that, you know, maybe don't have it. But working under pressure like that can bring out the best or the worst in somebody, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I it, yeah, The challenge was, if you haven't watched the show, is they all had to forge weld together really thin sheet steel i think it was like 1095 or something and it was yeah, real thin wasn't it yeah 1085 and it was a, 1095 yeah. 16th inch yep so and that's pretty difficult to do correctly in a propane forge unless you've had a lot of experience because things tend to warp a lot when they're that thin and um, somebody tried canister i think they, and that seemed like a good idea at the at the start, but um, I don't know if the canister just wasn't welded together right or something. But um, yeah, when it didn't um, work out. Whenever I watch Forge and Fire, I stop as soon as they reveal what the challenge is going to be. I stop it and I think out like, okay, what would I do? How would I, you know, overcome this thing? And How I stop. I stopped it. Yeah. it, and I thought canister Damascus was going to be the way. I think it would have been okay. I just think he had he didn't seal the canister properly. I think that the welder that was there was not, you know, the best. And there was, you know, just a little bit of issues with his, the caps on that canister is what I took away from it. And I think he smashed it down a little thin too, before Mm, trying to uh, pull the can, pulling the can was where he really got in trouble. Had I done it again, I would have, I would have actually done a no can canister. I would have stacked it up to, to the thickness of the two and then taking two pieces and actually cap the sides and then weld out the corners. Then it would have been totally one piece forge, weld it down, pull it out hot and sand off the corners, which you would have taken out the welds. And then, but I still got it done, but I just kind of kicked myself that, you know, that would have been the ideal world. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the blades you made, it was not only was it sturdy and it performed well, but it was beautiful. I mean, you had time to make the, the guard or at least a portion of the guard in the first segment, which is awesome. And then you went in on to do a leather stack, leather handle, which is just like, you know, and you can hear the judges like they're going, wow, that's like really, um, 
you know, it's it, you're really moving forward quick. It's risky, you know, to do something like that. But you are cool, calm, and collected, like all of us housewards, just yeah, crushing right. it as you move forward. <laughs> just blood. bang, bang, bang. <laughs> it was great to watch, and it was so fun because um, my mom who I think I told her at dinner like a few weeks before that you existed. And then when I posted the video segment of you on social media, she was like, is that him? Is that Ira? Oh my God. Oh, that's so neat to see. Like it, it's, there was just such a great connection to watch the whole thing unfold and to see you work. So it was really a pleasure to see that. So I appreciate you and I appreciate your work. I hope you know that. And I hope at some point we get to meet and I get to see your workshop and everything. I'd love to, kind of come and just check it out have plans to meet up when you head out west brian i don't know i don't know how far away you are from colorado springs where kilroy yeah it's it's a good chunk it's four and a half hours five hours okay i'll see i may try to make it over there that might be my game plan yeah i mean it would be one thing about to do that go ahead Oh, about the challenge. I, I actually used the sheet. I made too much steel out of the sheet metal, so I had all this excess material, and I made a drift out of it to make the the pommel, and I made the pommel out of the same sheet metal 1095. Now, and I don't the show remember doesn't them show that. that. Yeah, yeah, they I don't. Didn't... They kind of cut some of those yeah. details out, and I thought that was a, I don't know, I thought I was kind of proud yeah. of that detail. Yeah, that's a good detail, because that shows your level of experience as well. I guess they probably, you know, a lot ends up on the cutting room floor. Cause you know, it's what, is it like an hour long show or something? But, um, yeah, no, that, that was a great, it was a great bit. And the, the blade that you had to make for the final challenge. Oh my gosh, dude, serrations and that thin of a blade for that long. And it was alternating serrations and flat. And I, when I looked at that, I was just like, I, I, they gave me that challenge. I don't know what I would do with it. But you guys both crushed it. I mean, both of, it was such a close call at the very end. I mean, I, the the other guy that you competed against, I can't remember his name now, but he uh, his blade was amazing too. Yeah, Mark Smith. Um, he Mark Smith, he did great. Right. It was and it was kind of funny looking on the line. They looked the same, you know, the same pattern of the seriations, the same dark red wood. Um, yeah, the handles close. were close. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Very good job. Very very well done. Uh, I don't know if you know, but Brian and I are involved in a challenge ourselves right now. It's like a little bit, it's like a long form version of <laughs> uh, Forged in Fire on YouTube. And uh, Brian, you, the last show we did, Brian, you, you were in what place? I was in 12th place. And 12th place. Yeah. Things have changed a little bit. So, after after this show or this show last week aired, and um, I had posted a bunch of Facebook posts on a bunch of groups, um, just kind of saying like, "Hey, here's where I'm at. The cutoff line is ten. You know, if I could get your support, you look through them, vote for the one you like. But if you could see, you know, if you think that mine's good enough, please go ahead and vote for me." And uh, yeah, I've I've uh, since jumped up a little bit, up to sixth place. Ooh, which baby. which puts you well in the range of moving forward to the next round which right. dude congratulations thank that you is so much awesome. thank Heck you yeah but in last turn, episode we encouraged Brian everybody to me vote down. yeah i was gonna say <laughs> wait last a second time, so now no, i'm you are, losing you are you were at 11th place to begin with so like you know i'm not, I'm not saying said, i'm the uh, reason you're down thanks a lot yeah. brian <laughs> we said vote for b cone last time screw that vote for brian house <laughs> right, so if you haven't right. voted yet 
Brian is clearly going to move forward. So if you haven't voted yet uh, and you want to see me compete in the next one, please give me a vote. I need like 22 votes or something to get into 10th. I'd like to get nine or eight. That way I'm there's some some cushion there. But the time of the airing of this, you have literally one day to go vote. So that that would be it because the voting ends on the 29th of April. Um, so it doesn't it? Yeah. No, 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 no. Correct. Correct. I'm just looking at the current updates on the, the uh, voting totals. Oh, yeah. You have access to that. Where am I at? I'm I've been campaigning. <laughs> You're at 13. Brian House, <laughs> you are officially in ninth place. What? Right. Yep. Dude, no way. Well, so that campaign voting, post. You are so one I, vote ahead of the art of craftsmanship. Oh, yeah. Screw those guys. Dustin, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> screw you. I'm beating you both. You guys Aren't are done. Aren't they axe makers? I thought they made axes and shit. I can't even believe it. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way. I love the art of craftsmanship. Absolutely. But, uh, those guys are awesome. Now, this is great. You know, last time we had talked about whether it's legal for me to kind of talk about that on the podcast. First of all, there's only one day left after this episode legal. goes live. What yeah. And uh, and, uh, you know, I, I talked about it last time and, you know, Dennis or A. Lee didn't really say anything. So I'm just assuming that that's, you know, OK, because they well, didn't say anything. Yeah, or it's I, proof I, yeah. that they don't listen to our show. And if that's the case, <laughs> well, then we're going to talk about it all we want, baby. <laughs> no, I know Dennis heard it because Dennis called me. A, like a, the day after or something and we were discussing yeah, my new forge him. yeah and he and he was like yeah no he's like uh, you know kind of all bets are off at this point because there's been a little bit of you know maybe some not so ethical voting stuff going on where people what? are pushing their <laughs> what why how would this happen no I, it's it's a fair it's a fairly even game but like there's <laughs> been a few people that have gone into like huge groups that oh. don't have anything to do with knife making, and they're just oh. like, "Hey, vote for you me!" Bought all your followers? Come on! Not bought. See, they didn't buy them. They just, you know, there was just well, more just to it. Because money's not, not exchange doesn't mean you didn't buy yeah. something. <laughs> right. So, so you know, I figured today I would make a post. Actually, my wife made it for me, and hmm. just saying like, "Hey, one level of deniability there. there, right?" Well. Yeah. <laughs> I sanctioned it. it Let's just me. say that. I said it was okay. I approved it. But I, I need the votes, man. I, I feel like I could I could I could at least get in the top ten. That's where I wanted to be. Well you're there, man. You're there. So does that um does that imply that the next contest will only have ten participants or will they bring in new blood? Well, there's new blood as far as I know. I, I mean I I don't. We don't fully know. I think there's still some behind the scenes stuff going yeah. on. And say, we, I do we're bringing do the rest to the contest, and they're going to blackball you guys. Come on. <laughs> Listen, you know my take on free markets, right? Yeah, it applies to this too. You you have to if you want it bad enough. And Brian, you are a very clear example of this. You wanted it bad enough. You went out mm -hmm. and took it, and I'm did proud it. of you, buddy. You did. Oh, it. Thanks. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not it, at that point, it's not about so much about like the video or the knife itself. It's about you know, there all the blades are very similar and close in quality. Yeah. You know, it's really not about that. It's about campaigning, getting eyes on the videos, yeah. getting eyes on the voting forms. You know, at some point, because if you look at the levels of voting, 
there's a very clear, you know, pretty much all of us guys in the middle are within 20 votes of each other. Well, so here's it's, the thing. It's not that bad. Dennis Tyrell already has gotten more votes than all of the votes for the last Combined. two of them. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Combined. Yeah. De- Dennis what did is, I see you know. But like it's day. rightfully earned though because look at his it blade. Is. Like it's it's yeah. nowhere it's night and day for sure. But. but then I see the other day from Dennis uh the damn 24 karat gold knife yes. Damascus that didn't work, right? Like two grand worth of gold yeah. poured into a knife and it failed. I, I don't know the details. Do you guys know any of those details on that? Why it failed or? I, yeah, I know. I do. I actually uh, Brian, talked to know. him. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit about it. So he had gotten $2,000 worth of um, 10 karat gold shim okay. to make yeah, to right. make the... And he made like a Damascus core, like a super crazy. Of course, it's Dennis Tyrell. Of course, it's yeah. a super crazy Damascus. But he used ten karat gold, which melts. I think he said somewhere between fourteen and sixteen hundred degrees, which is why it didn't, or that's why it failed. Oh. If he had bumped to the twenty-four karat, then it would have been able to withstand the heat to heat treat it, and it ah. wouldn't have failed. So now. You know, now the thing is like, you know, if he had just put in the, you know, <laughs> literally three thousand dollars worth of more to get the twenty-four carat, that's but crazy. That's two thousand dollars worth of steel or gold. God, yeah. you but know, that's... I, I definitely think that he needs to revisit this. Like, save his pennies. And he says make he it is because... on his. Uh, I was reading the, through the comments on his post on Instagram, and he's like, almost everybody that commented, you know, he said there will be another try with twenty four right. karat gold. You know, he's he's dead set to do it. So that's crazy. The golden though. knife, quite literally, the golden yeah. knife. That's crazy. See, that's uh, you know, us woodworkers. I don't know. I always I always compare woodworking to metalwork and knife making a lot. I think in my brain and. I don't know. Woodworkers try to, you know, uh, science everything up, you know, and kind of uh, make things seem more challenging or whatever than they are. But we don't hold a candle to you guys in knife making, you know, the you science right. and heat treating. And, <laughs> you know, it's like we're just fucking using a chisel on a piece of oak, you know. <laughs> you guys are walking around dragging your knuckles on the floor. We're over exactly. here with our like, lab yeah. coats. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, lab coats. There are plenty of knuckle draggers in metalwork. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> probably in blade making. But hey, keep our talking out of this. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that leads me to a question I wanted to ask Ira is, you know, what does the journey look like for you? Because I'm going into your, you know, trying to dig up some, you know, backstory on your journey into becoming a maker you know, tell me a little bit about your professional development and how it started and, you know, take me back like 20 years. Like, you know, what, where did it start and how did you get here? Yeah. So in the mid nineties, I was welding a little bit just in the farm shop. And then I did some in the high school shop, figured I kind of, I liked that. And then I went off to Mesa state college where I went after manufacturing, which is welding and machining. And after three years of that, I, my professor did a decorative blacksmithing course one evening and I took that and that was it. Um, as soon as I saw that hot metal coming out of a forge and saw some of the pieces he was making. And then I went to work for him or apprenticed under him for three years and then on by myself onto my own. 
So did you ever work? Uh, so when you got out of college, other than that internship and kind of that internship turning into a job, have you pretty much always been self-sufficient, like self-driven? Yeah, I was pretty well driven to do what I'm doing now. Um, you know, maybe I, the art came just a touch later. I mean, I worked as a pipe fitter welder for one summer between college years. Um, but no, mostly just on my own now. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so so you're you would consider yourself an entrepreneur, I would imagine. Yeah, I guess so. I don't, you know, it's hard you work to work for yourself. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur for sure, and I've been for the last yeah twenty twenty one twenty two years. Man, look at that! Another connection. It is so weird. <laughs> it's like it's such a strange thing. Yeah, I because uh, like you, I wanted to work for myself as well, but I didn't find, you know, or I knew making because I I had a workshop. I've had a workshop my whole life, but. I'd never thought it would be possible for me to make money doing it. You know, that was the biggest hurdle for me. So, you know, I went into the tech industry because that's what you did when you wanted to have a family and all of that. So, you know, you just ended up kind of following the money. And I'm glad I did that. There, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I think that was important for my my professional development, but also my personal development as a human being just becoming a better human being, you know, learning what I don't want, essentially. But now that I do making and prototyping, machining and that kind of thing as a, for a living, my life is my, you know, my mental health and everything is just great, greatly improved. I kind of wish I would have started sooner like you. Um, I just didn't have the, the I, I went through the fine arts program at NIU, but I did film and sculpture. And boy, is that just like a tough tough thing to you know take that and move that into the professional world you know i didn't didn't know how to make the transition so it's awesome to see you doing it and by the way so the 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 little bits that i got to see of your workshop i that's like xanadu to me it's so funny because you have a lot of the same shelving i have and the bins and things and it's all set up the kind of the same way your shop is like a little bit more square than mine mine's more like of a long lego style but <clears throat> but man, it's, it's, it's neat. And then what, what's even more weird, here's another coincidence is, you know, you have that, um, I don't know what they call it, but it's like when you drive into a driveway, there's like a sign over your driveway. I don't know what that's called. There's a name for it. I'm sure. Oh um, like yeah. A, you see those a lot out West here. Like, uh, yeah, well uh, we had one too, almost exactly like that in the house that <laughs> I grew up in and I, it blew my mind. I was like, man, and it said housework homestead on it. So that's what it said. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. That's just wild. Weird. It is strange how how many connections there are, you know? This it was similar with like meeting those folks that we met over in Ireland, you know, and you start you know comparing and all that stuff and just different things would jump out and you're like, "Man, that's just so wild," you know. There's something inherently familiar you know about family regardless of how removed they are or how you know disconnected they are it's there's traits there that i think yeah they follow you show up they follow you're right you're right so tell me ira so 20 years into blacksmithing and and metalwork what are you working on now in your workshop so i'm actually wrapping up a giant project that i've been kind of on and off for the last 10 years and it's a public river park uh, walkway. 
and I did a bridge over a creek and an overlook at an entrance way. And at the end of the rail, at the end of this bridge, there's going to be a 30 foot tall tree. And that's what we're actually doing now, which is kind of fun and crazy. So hopefully I'll be sharing photos of that here in the next couple of weeks. So you're commissioned by the county to make this, I assume? Yes. Okay, that's cool. So you made the bridge, you're making all the wrought iron and everything, you're you're doing all of the, the steel work? Yep. It's more like a natural looking piece, like natural tree branches and there's little animals and bugs in it and to kind of oh. fit down on the theme of the river parkway. I gotcha. Okay. It's a good time of year to do an install too, because it's going to be summer soon up there if it isn't already and yeah. it'll start to get a little bit more use i i uh i've i've looked at a little bit of your work just dug into your instagram feed which is where you most of your photos end up is on instagram so if you want to go find ira on instagram it's just at ira housewert on instagram so i think right is that correct that's right yeah and you can find and you also have a website coloradoblacksmith.com that's right Oh, that's cool. All right. And then Very yeah, good. same on Facebook, just Ira Housework. Very cool. Very cool. Now I, I'm gonna tell you a quick story that about so my grandfather, my father's father, was like a self made, self taught engineer. And uh he invented the mechanism that makes the orbital sander orbit. So he was it's that little like piece in there that kind of moves no side shit. to side. That's crazy. Yeah. So and then um, he worked for a guy named Roy Champagne in our town uh, called Rockford, Illinois, where where we lived. And and that's uh, the guy who came up with champagne. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and Roy invented champagne. That's right. Uh, he actually made Roy like really rich because Roy held the patent for like 50 years. My, my oh, grandfather man. never, never did make any money from it. But. Abrasives run run uh, long in our family, you know, working with metal and engineering and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, cool guy. He he worked out in a lot of military applications and helped with the Manhattan Project and all kinds of stuff. He's brilliant, but he um, he was tortured. He was in a, in an addict. He drank a lot and just couldn't stay sober. He was one of those guys that just just couldn't get his. You know, he, he would he, you could vomit out like a brilliant plan for something or a, a machine. And then, but then he would go on these long stints where he couldn't keep himself sober, unfortunately. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like a little bit of our history on this end of things. And, um, but anyway, so getting to, um, getting to Brian, let's, let's shift to you, Brian. What are you working on? Are you still doing this batch of like 80 knives that you've been <laughs> trying to pump no, out? No, I, I finished those off. I finished those knives two no a week and a half ago a week ago whatever it was the um, batch of 15 or whatever you're yeah the batch on? of 15 i've got another batch of te- or no excuse me i was thinking of the even larger batch that i had finished before that now i'm working on 10 knives and five of those production knives and i actually have them all glued up the handles are glued up so hopefully tomorrow i'll be able to finish those off and get them ready to ship so those, those are, are the, the ones where knives. you, you yep. cheat and they just show up already made. Hey, now. <laughs> All right. Hey, now. I, I, now, Brian, forgive me because I, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, forgive me because you had sent me an image 
that I was supposed to convert over for your next round, like yes. a smaller EDC. I apologize. I just realized that I had not done the CAD work for you <laughs> yet on that. I, I really okay. do. I will get that out to you. But um, before we do that, are you going to do another round of these stainless chef knives that you've been? Oh, absolutely. On? I've already set some money aside to do another batch. Um, you know, the first one I did five of them and they sold out in 48 hours. So I'm going to do another batch of probably 10 of them along with um, more than like when whenever you get me that that CAD fire file, I will also be getting some of those whether it's going to be five or 10 or whatever. What's so. the turnaround time? So like if you send him the file, how long does it take to get him back to well, you? Well, this, this time was a little bit different because he had to like calibrate the machines and all that for the chef knife. So that took a couple weeks just because, you know, you had to get it in the system or whatever else. But now it should be quite a bit quicker. He said he quoted me at about a week from order to delivery. but A um, week? Yeah, That's it? and I don't. Wow. Again, I haven't. I haven't had that happen yet. So you know, as much as as much as yeah. I trust Usul, you know, I, I want to see it happen before I you know start yeah. quoting people a week. But my well, even if he gets within it, two weeks, that's that seems like right, very sure. doable. And my, you know, my idea is that I'm going to order a bunch of them and then sell them as they you know make them as they sell. So that once you order it, all I have to do is put together some handle material, get it shaped up, and get it out the door. Yeah, cool. I love it, man. I, I think these... it's such a great thing you're doing this because you, what we've talked about this, but I got to bring it up again about cash flow in yeah. any business is super important. And, Hell you know, yeah. if you're just doing custom one offs all the time, it's hard to keep that <laughs> flow happening. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really and this isn't balance. going to be all of my business like this is still a very small portion of what I'm doing. I'm still I'm making even if it was 25 percent, right? 25 percent like of your business doing it that route. And then also, I think you should really ramp this up for the holiday season. I oh, think absolutely. This year you should I'm have going like to. 30, 40 of these, like, you know, oh, yeah. ready to put handles Several on designs and, and start yeah. pumping it out like round, like November one, just start hitting the socials. Like, hey, if you want to give a custom knife out to somebody that you love, hit me up, buy it, and we can get your handle material well, put together and all of that. I've already got to put an asterisk on that. I'm not calling these custom at all. They're it's they're custom, still productionized. Custom well, handle. You're choosing I mean, some it's handle one of yours. colors. It's one yeah, of I, yours. I I I don't know. I I feel like it should be delineated totally different than my custom work because you know my custom work I'm building it from scratch just like many or every other. All right, nice call handmade. It's How a about production. A p- the right. production line of my custom knives. There you go. Right? Sure. There's some wordsmithing there to be done, but, um, and then the other idea with these is like, whenever I do like, you know, if I do giveaways, it'd be something along those lines or, you know, do different holidays. I could do a holiday theme knife pretty easily this way. The sharp Santa blade. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It was funny because I was watching your YouTube, uh, video. Um, I don't remember which one. I think it might've been the dagger challenge video. And my daughter goes, he looks kind of like Santa Claus. Like, oh, my God. The yep. whole room exploded in laughter. Right. <laughs> it was really funny. She's like, well, he's then, like a young Santa. Yeah, right. something like that. Uh, and then the come. other the other oh, thing ahead. that I have going on in the shop this week is yesterday was met Emily and my three-year anniversary of dating. So Congratulations, by you, the way. Whoop, whoop. Yep, I still have to get a ring on that. I'm, I'm saving up. Don't worry. 
And uh, <laughs> so yesterday, after I finished gluing up the handle material to these production chef knives, um, from 10 o'clock till about 2 o'clock, I forged out this little uh, copper pendant because she loves copper. And basically just took a piece, a quarter inch rod and forged it flat on one end and, you know, made the, the clasp part on the other side. And hey, um, basically I spent a couple hours forging it out and I had to do a couple attempts. And um, because it was the first time ever doing that and I was also filming it at the same time. So between 10 and 2, I filmed it and made it. And then I rushed home and I edited that video. And, and of course, I did the necklace part of it and I took some video shots down by the river like I normally do. And then I edited the video and by, I think it was like 6.30, I had posted that video. That's so, so awesome. within, what is that, just a couple hours, I had shot a, a five minute video and got it up on my YouTube, which, you know, yeah. I'm hoping <laughs> you know, to do a little bit more often because that was a pretty fun and it, it was like, it was definitely balls to the wall that entire time because it's like, yeah. okay, today's my anniversary. I need to, you know, get home and get ready. I'm, I'm making this thing for her on the day and I'm yeah. also going to try to get the video out the same day, which was just kind of like a holy crap move, move, but move. You know, how, like, how was it? What was it forged? Sorry, Ben, real quick. Oh, just real qu one question. Um, how was it forging copper? I've always wondered you know how it reacts because it's a softer yeah. metal but i it can harden itself too from what i understand if you let it cool slowly or whatever it's like the opposite if you want it soft you have to keep dipping it in water and keep it cool yeah i didn't really have too many cracking issues i don't know i mean i definitely turned the forge down so i wasn't getting it like blazing blazing hot and i wasn't moving it a whole lot on every single round like I could have gotcha. the first so I ended up making three of them because the first one I made I made all the way out and I had like squished it out too far and it wasn't quite bending quite right and you know I just was having a hard time with it so I had, had to remake it you know three times but after after you know about an hour worth of messing around with forging on copper it I kind of got the knack for it and it moved pretty easily so cool yeah cool. let me try you and I copper you got. You just have to. You have. You tempers it. You actually, anneal it a little bit. You have to just get it back to a red, and you can work it again. Because it yeah. hard. It yeah. work hardens really easily. But you just got to work it really to a light red, similar to like okay. bronze. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Well, you and I had. I don't know. Not chatted, but I made a comment earlier on a text message about the whole video in a day concept, and I've honestly really thought about that a lot and I think I'm going to give it a try as well because what I find is <clears throat> if I allow myself too much time or I have too much time right then I just start messing with it too much and it's like you keep polishing the turd you know <laughs> but it, but with a really short deadline okay I'm going to get this shot edited and posted in a day then I feel like anyway you, you pay less attention to perfection you know, yeah, I agree with that to an extent. If you're okay with putting out something that isn't yeah. exactly up to what you normally put out. Like for yeah. this one, if I would have allowed myself two more hours, I could have done a nice voiceover to it. I would have added some mm -hmm. music to it. I probably would have tightened up some of my edits a little bit better. So, yeah. you know, yes, I, I loved the challenge and I really, really enjoyed the challenge of, um, you know, shooting it and editing it and getting it out all within, I mean, six hours. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 eight hours from yeah. when I started on the project an hour away. So that's that's an extra yeah. hour of driving that I'm out. So anyways, so like I really enjoyed that that process. 
But, yeah. you know, if I would have given myself like, oh, you know, I could probably post this tomorrow and just say, you know, yesterday is the anniversary. But no, I wanted to get it yeah. out that day. See, I would I would do that and then I would open up the edit the next day and and totally just futz with it for way too long. You know, <laughs> like that's my problem, I think, is uh, reshooting something because, oh, I should have said this word instead of that word or, you know, just mm. that that really nitty gritty bullshit that in the end probably doesn't matter a whole hell of a lot. Um, but it causes me to, you know, just waste so much time. So I'm still in that flow of trying to figure out what my flow looks like. You know, I just haven't put that many videos out. So I thought I'd try the extreme, uh, you know, side of things where you don't really fuss over any of the details you know, or don't allow yourself to get too far in the weeds at all and just push something out to get the information out. You know, in that case, it's like, I, I feel like the topic is the most important part. I can probably get an acceptable video out in a very short amount of time if I just lower my standards on the other stuff. And, uh, so I'm trying to find that balance of, you know, my, my ultimate goal and I don't know, I don't have a deadline or, or even a target in mind. My ultimate goal would be able to get to, you know, a video a week kind of a thing. But I got a long way to go to figure out processes before that happens. Sure, for sure. That's a, that's a big stretch, you know, that video a week stuff. Yeah. I, I tried it. I was rocking it for the first part of 2022. But, yeah. you know, I, I started to have to balance things out. And, you know, I've been really wanting to prototype this new forge yeah. and I had been kind of henning and pecking at it and, you know, okay, I'm going to do this and that. And I'm you know, drawing it up in CAD and whatever. And then I realized like, I just need to go heads down on this. And, yeah. and, you know, everybody likes to watch the process and I share as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And, um, but the thing is, is, you know, the I think it's hard for people to fully understand the amount of time you invest in something like that, and, oh, and not totally. just time, but thought. Like you know, you're just sitting there staring at the stupid thing for a while. Yeah, and then all the little nuances, right? Um, and then certain things don't work right, and you gotta swap things out or whatever, and yeah, you know, tear it all down to the bare bones and restart. So. You know, the the video had to like I haven't even shared any of that on YouTube, and that's just because this is such an important project because of the safety factor. You know, right. you, I don't want to show people something and then have them try it and, you know, later down the road, blow themselves up or whatever. So I just, yeah. I'm, I'm really being cautious with how I present the project and telling people like, look, I'm not going to recommend anything until I fully understand and fully know totally. what the science is behind this. And Instagram so. works so well for that, like, I feel like what you've been doing recently on Instagram is just so awesome because it's, we've talked in the past about how we struggle with how to share like a project or a process, you know, that takes uh, multiple weeks. And, you know, it's just difficult because we're often spotty in our timing to work on something. But I feel like you're starting to nail that, man. It's just really cool to watch it's easy when it's fun you know that's yeah, the, the yeah. thing and there's like yeah. instant uh, results you know you yep. when you're you do something you're testing something and you have like and what i you know there's a double-edged sword there because you're sharing all this information 
and you've got one group of people who clearly want to help you. Like they are, hey, you should try this or you should do this or whatever. And then you have another group of people who really want to see you fail. And and they yeah. and I, it's it's you know there are people who are kind of trying to distract you with other things like you know this is you know whatever there's like trolls out there sure. and in this particular instance I it was hard for me to turn the noise off you know there bet, was so many yeah. people saying and there's a lot of misinformation out there in regards yep. to designing forges. So I got an opportunity to sit basically and talk with someone who has a ton of information on this and has been doing it for like 25 years, not professionally, but he's built hundreds of forges. And I just said, dude, like, can we just talk in and, you know, he basically dumped 25 years of forge building information on me and just said like, and, you know, he's done it all the way back. He was building forges with asbestos, like back in the day, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, not so safe stuff. So he's very familiar with yeah, all the processes. You better get the information out of that some bitch pretty damn quick because he <laughs> might not be around fucking. He long. seems pretty healthy, <laughs> but you never know. Um, and you know the, and you know listening to him talk about you know insulation and you know where basically the forge core, which is the the bricks around things, refractories, and the different types of um, elements that go into this process. And then he's also a very clear advocate for forced air burners and not using atmospheric burners uh, just because of the efficiency issues. Um, and he's built all versions of those, so he knows the differences. And you know where we kind of landed on was somewhere in the middle where you make compromises because of manufacturability and uh, being able to acquire pieces you know, so that you could right. actually build this thing. And then also efficiency. So, you know, yeah. we're we're in that stage of, hey, could you make this better? Yes. You know, of course, but, there's always a better way. But the cost at what point, you know, the aggregate cost oh. becomes so much for, more further out. And it's mm-hmm. just like the grinder project. You can, just of course, say there's better ways to do yeah, this, but it's going to cost you three times as stuff. much. You know, that's the, like that's the that's the magic of what you put together uh, with the grinder for sure is. You know, it's it, it's relatively easy to acquire materials, you know, and there are a lot of other ways you can do a lot of different things. But most of those start with the word custom, <laughs> you know, exactly. and, and yep. uh, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for something you can actually build. Now, here's so my wanted, question, Brian. Oh, go um, ahead. Go ahead. You're building this forge and you've got it. I saw a post that you ramped it to 2000 degrees. How quick was that? In five minutes. Five Jesus. Minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, now, is that safe? Probably not. But no, see, what was ha- so partially that noise that I was listening to was people were saying, wow, it took you 40 minutes to achieve 2250. That's a long time. And it, yeah. everybody, and, and, you know, and I appreciate the input, but just about everyone told me that it was the, the size and shape of the, of the chamber that was the problem, mm. which I, did not believe was the problem because I've seen forges that are this big. And then also the other one is, is that they don't like the placement of the burner uh, being it on the side versus on the top. Everyone's like, well, why aren't you doing it on the top? There's a, I mean, everybody who does this work that I 
spoke to said that they like having the ability to fire, you know, place the heat directly upon their work, but there's a point where they would like to have indirect heat. So they would, they don't want the flame hitting the work. They want it, you know, more like a kiln where Mm -hmm. you insert something and it warms up the entire chamber and more knife makers, more high carbon guys like Dennis Terrell said, you know, if they had to choose, they'd put it on the side. The downside is, yes, you have to wait longer for the device to warm up because your, you know, your metal is not going to get it as hot because it's not sitting right in the fire. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a benefit there, though, because you're not leaching carbon from your from your steel. You could potentially overheat your steel if you do it long enough. And uh, Mark said the same thing. Um, he he was in full belief. He says, I don't know why all these forge builders are putting the, the burners pointed straight down. That's not the best way. You should have it either at a 45, you know, working its way down from the, the top as a 45 degree angle, but it should be hitting fire brick or some sort of insulating refractory that will absorb the heat and radiate it back out into the forge itself. The compromise I had to make was to go 90 degrees to make it, you know, flat packed and, you know, fancy block, you know, what you can use pre-made blocks to do this. And I ran into the issue where it was taking a really long time to warm up. Now, that and uh, that was more or less what I discovered was just uh, not having enough air movement. So when I added the bigger fan, which was Mark's, Mark had, Mark's got tons of information, but he said, you need to use an impeller style blower, not a squirrel fan. He said, squirrel fans won't push water column the way that impeller style blowers will. And if you look at them online, there's no difference in cost. It's like $80 for this blower, Hmm. right? It's not that different in cost. Uh, they're just not as readily available. You just don't find them everywhere. You have to and where you, yeah. where you end up finding them on is the section where people are growing weed. So right. they, like, they use them as like ventilation fans, like to like yeah. get, I guess the smell out does of the it, room or whatever. Uh, does it make a difference? I know with like uh, dust collection, for example, uh, a lot of folks m- make the mistake of thinking that a smaller pipe. You know, because it feels like the suction is stronger, it will move more dust. But actually, the the opposite is true, that uh, an an 8-inch pipe uh, moves a larger volume of air, right? So, does it it make any difference um, how big the inlet is for that air coming into the forge? Yeah, it, inlet and the and the pipe that's running into the burner itself. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. Uh, a lot of it, it it is instinctual to think that if you force air into a smaller opening, that it would yeah. cr- increase velocity, and yep. it can. However, you have to think drops. of the pressure drops, right? So you yeah. at that point you have to think of air like water, yep. which is how they measure it in water columns. So yeah. you, you're, you're thinking like, oh, I need a, you know, I need to, I want more velocity. Well, yeah. you, you get the same amount of pressure and velocity out of a two inch pipe as, as you would, uh, or not as much out of a one and a quarter. So yeah. it's really important that you have the volume. It's like water. You think of it like plumbing, you know, like the bigger yep. the pipe, the more water can be delivered. Electricity is the same way. And yeah. so, you know, I went with a two inch pipe and, but it's a six inch fan that I 3d printed a funnel that would go Choking into a two inch pipe yeah choke it down to two inches but it man it moves some air and i i ended up having to turn that fan down quite a bit 
But now we're getting to 2,005 minutes and in 2,300, which is four welding welding temperatures in 13 minutes. Um, Again, that's not recommended just because it can break down the interior of your forge pretty quickly. But what's the science behind that? That that five minutes to 200 and then 13 to 2250. Five minutes to two thousand, and then 2000. and then and then thir- uh, so forge welding temperatures are somewhere around twenty two to twenty three hundred. So that's like where most people want to be if they're making Damascus. Why does it take welding. so long to get that two hundred and fifty degrees? Oh, there? I see your question. Yeah, so right around there's like a very odd thing. This happens in my um, my electric kilns as well. Yeah. Right around a specific temperature, usually around 2,000 degrees, there's like a, a ramp up barrier where yeah. it just starts to to lag a bit. Huh. Um, you wild. can you can make it more by adding more propane, but you sure. reduce the efficiency. Yeah, yeah. More propane, more air, you know, and you, but it reduces obviously the efficiency of the of the forge. But anyway, that's what I'm working on, and I wanted to run. <laughs> I, there, I I could talk about this stuff forever because I'm oh, so interested so cool. in it. But I've I've got uh, one last question before I move topics. Sure. So I know it's still very very early in this process of you know making and you know prototyping it. But do you know roughly what your you know flat pack price is going to be? You know I don't. So okay. I I don't even really have a ballpark yet. Um, oh jeez. And. Yeah. And that's that's the the next thing, the next step of this process. Just like the grinder, I didn't know where I was going to fall, like if I could even make it profitable. I do think that there's margin here, and I do think that there's there's money to be made from the business standpoint of this. But I'm going to treat it just like the revolution, where I'm going to sell the plans for this thing, so somebody could build it themselves, and you could do this with a plasma cutter, like you could build this thing with a plasma torch if you wanted. Uh, you'd have to have a CNC, but you could do it. I think you could probably do it by hand too. Um, and you can buy all the other stuff on Amazon. So like all the other fittings, the fire brick, the, the refractory, everything can be purchased on Amazon. Is it going to be the same price as like a volcano, Mr. Volcano Forge? Oh, hell no. Absolutely not. It won't be in that same ballpark, but this is a forge that will literally last say a lifetime. It's a lifetime forge. It's a yeah. lifetime build. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's any money to be made in it. And if there isn't, great. I mean, whatever. At least I learned a lot, you know, and I have this awesome forge now for my shop, which I, I think is great too. So, um, but uh, I wanted to run something past you guys. So I had come up with a name uh, for the forge. Oh, yeah. And at, and I don't know if I'm going to do this or not, but during the process of, of building this thing, I kept getting images of the early, like, 1960s, 1970s rockets that were going off. Oh, you nice. know, like that we were yep. sending people to the moon. So I want to call this forge uh, the Apollo. And, nice. And then we're going to do different size versions of it. So for guys who want to make bigger things, we'll make a bigger version of it. It's scalable, right? Because you yeah. just add more fire brick on the inside. We can make a bigger. And then it'll be Apollo 1, Apollo 2, maybe I Apollo like 5. Yeah. We'll skip 13 or <laughs> yeah. 11 or whichever one that was bad or whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, it yeah. had an issue. We'll skip that one. But, you know, there'll be different versions of it. What do you guys think of that naming convention? I like that. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Kinda you could like even NASA theme. do um, the number based on the size, right? Like the, oh, that's the a actual good idea. cubic yeah. inches or something, you know, uh, roughly, I guess. But that, and then I, I want to like send it. one out to Ira so he can use it in his, yeah. his workshop. With housework on there. Just don't misspell it. 
right? <laughs> I won't. I'll leave the A out. It'll be spelled correctly. Maybe, maybe just put HW. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It would be it would be really cool to see this thing in your workshop. So uh, I'm I'll, planning I'll on build getting one, one for, for sure. Yeah, I'll yes. build one. Well, I'll I'll put a kit together and I'll send it out to you. You could assemble it pretty easily, I think. Very so, cool. You you have the the tactile skills. I'm assuming to put something like this <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you yeah. can maybe figure it out. <laughs> take them take them a little while, but <laughs> but it's great you're doing all the research for this because like the ribbon burner's been a little overwhelming for me when I first started reading about it. Yeah, it, it is overwhelming when you when you look at what it is and you think, wow, I, you know that's really complicated. When I break it down, when you see the the actual breakdown of how easy this thing is to make. Uh, you'll be, you know, I will demystify the whole process. It, there is not that much to it. It really, I, I, the, the other part of this, this is why I think this is so important. I found this out doing the grinder project too, is there's so many unnecessary things that people do to their ribbon burners and their propane right. delivery systems. There's so many on, on like so unnecessary. It doesn't need to be there and it just adds cost. And yeah. I'm like, why would you do this? You don't need this. And I'm I'm proving it. I'm pulling it out. Like I'm just yanking yeah. things out of the system, pu- plugging it all back together, and it's working great. If you have the right amount of air to the right amount of propane, even you could be even really off with this system, and it'll still function really well. Right. So it's gonna be. Then cool. that's what's so cool is like you said, Ira. Like you're you're doing all that research and that that most folks if they do have the skills to go out and build their own forge right they may not have the bandwidth or the dollars to experiment with all this shit so they just build the first you know thing that comes to mind or the first thing they see online or you know if folks find your stuff it's been tested it's tried it's true it's got the science behind it you know it's that's what's really cool yeah, really I, I cool. think that what happens is people get an idea of how to build one, and then they ah. build one, and it's mediocre, but it can't works. can't be that fucking hard. It's just a box, you know? It's a box it, with a bunch say. of fire coming out of it that yeah. gets, like, you know, 2,500 degrees. How hard can yeah. it be? No, it's yeah. not rocket So that's science. what I'm working on. Anyway, and and uh, I appreciate your feedback and everybody who's been following along with the progress, progress of the project, so... Very soon, Very I will cool. have numbers so people can figure out whether or not it's worth building themselves or not. But uh, yeah, we're Very gonna do cool. some really cool stuff with three D printing. We're gonna three D print the mold for the actual rib- ribbon burner, and then I figured it out. So in order to make the th- Ben, you were you and I had been talking about this for a while about how people use crayons and straws and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So my my fix for that is three D print the mold for the for the actual burner and then about halfway up into the refractory there'll be that 3d printed portion but you'll slide straws over those pieces so when you go go. to break free the 3d printed part the straws remain in the refractory and then you pull those out with a pair of pliers or whatever that solves the you know the problem with the refractory getting into the grooves of the 3d printed uh lines And, and those, you, you want to print those cones, work. those narrow spire. Not very. Cones. Yeah, you don't need to print yeah. them, but an inch maybe, not yeah, even yeah. like three quarters of an inch high. And That'll that make a big difference. Problem. Yeah, it's, it, with three D printing, it's weird because it kind of gets. I don't know if you ever built like a drizzle castle on the beach. You know, a bucket of water yeah. and sand, and you kind of drip it till it gets these long spires. And a similar thing, 
happens with 3D printing, I've always found, is that you get to the top of that spire and it's squirting just a little bit of plastic out. Well, eventually those little tips break off so easily, you know, and it's a, it's a pretty tricky 3D printing challenge, which is kind of weird. <laughs> you wouldn't think of it at first, but it seems the narrower and taller something gets, the harder it is to 3D print. Yep. Yeah. So right. switching gears, guys. Now, Ira, one thing I really enjoyed about your episode of Forge and Fire is you had brought up your, I believe it was your daughter's rolling your eyes at something you do. Now, if there is somebody who has a dad joke in this world, it's got to be you. Do you have a dad joke for us? Oh, no, I didn't. I wasn't prepared for this. This is oh, the new thing. No, I didn't Ryan, think about I thought about B- this Cone yesterday. puts all of our guests on, on the spot by <laughs> demanding dad jokes. Let it, yeah, let it be it. known if you come on the work yeah, for you it. Come on the show, you, you better, better have fucking one. have a dad joke. <laughs> I have a dad joke. Okay, all right. If you're interested. For the misspelled house words out there, here's a dad joke. That's it. That's it. So uh, you, I, I had to stop taking my dog to the park. The the ducks, they just kept attacking him. I guess that's what happens when you get a purebred <laughs> dog. That's it. Purebred, as in B-R-E-A-D for those who are thinking this through. Yes. Purebred dog. It's a wonder. Ducks. It's a wonder that that's even a joke. So, Ira, <laughs> I am. I'm curious. Did your daughter say anything about you shaving your arm with your knife? Yeah. You so back? they saw it first in the in the live performance, and I had a bunch of people there, and yeah, they just both slunk in their seats. And <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, like, no, I Dad, I did it. How old are your kids? Uh, so I got a 16 and an 18 year old. 16 and 18. Gotcha. Okay. All right. You're a little ahead of us. We got we have two 16-year-olds and a 13-year-old. So we're we're a little behind you. We're but uh, you know, soon enough they'll all be off and running. Yeah, uh, into the real world for sure. Happens ben fast. You got any workshop updates? I saw you released a video on YouTube. Yeah, and big then, nerdy. Um, also some good st- yeah, the nerdy video and then I also saw some really great uh Instagram stuff. You're I mean, dude, your stuff is so good. Oh, it's so good. You. So well thank thought you. out. And it's, I, I I've got that curse, you know, like I was listening to the uh for the, the Graham curse of podcast being too good. the other day it's and too good. You know, they were saying a lot of folks will throw up 7 second filler bullshit posts you know and i get that analysis paralysis thing where it's like i i can't just do that but i don't know i so i so i end up not posting but then all of a sudden i'll get a rash of ideas and put it out there i've gotten a little bit better at sort of shooting what i'm doing day to day and then uh for the most part when i post i'm like a day behind which works out pretty good so i'll shoot stuff one day the next day that'll be the post and so it's working out pretty good getting a little bit more of a flow but i've got i got a lot going on it seems like all of a sudden i got a uh, medicine cabinet an oak medicine cabinet i'm building for a guy just up the street that's been a fun little fun little project it's i didn't mean for it saw the photos looks nice yeah, it's pretty simple, but it's funny. I didn't mean for it to sort of come together this way, but the but the damn thing doesn't have a single piece of metal hardware in it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool, you know? All these guys, uh, the purists that 
you know, don't want to use screws or nails or anything like that. Um, it's not that hard when you have the, the right tooling, which is kind of a, you know, not cheap to have the right tooling, but it's also really cool. I use the Festool Domino for most of it. So it's all like mortise and tenon style joinery, which is super strong. And so I got that cooking. I've got still working on the stools for our kitchen. Oh, I got a CNC project going on with a guy from Steel Stamps, Inc. And he's here in Boise, just out of the blue, gives me a call and says, hey, are you still doing woodwork? I'm like, yeah, sure. He says, well, I got I, I got a, a wood cookie, like a tree cookie, you know, a slab kind of a thing. And he's like, really, he had a hard time explaining what it is that he did. And he's like, I just, I need some holes cut in it. And just, it was really a hard conversation to follow. And then I was like, well, just come on over. So he comes over to the shop and I find out the damn guy makes leather stamps and touch marks for oh, steel. that's the guy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. And then, so I look him up on Instagram and he's got a pretty damn good following there and makes just some phenomenal stamps, um, he has a EDM machine that he's cutting these things out of, and they're pretty unique. Most of the leather stamps that I see are like two-piece, right? So the stamp itself is uh, maybe got a, you know, a way to attach it to a longer punch, if you will. But his are all one piece. I mean, just solid steel. He's making them out of, uh, I think, tool steel or something. But... He just makes some gorgeous looking stamps. He'll do a custom stamp for you. Uh, so if you're looking for a touch mark, check him out. It's Steel Stamps Inc. on Instagram. Steel so Stamps Inc. All right, I'm looking at it. He's up right actually now. made mine. I'm really? No way. <laughs> no shit. Awesome. Yeah. You I, are I mean, like the most relatable like human being. Ira. I think you're, it's official. You're the most relatable guy in the world. No. <laughs> you have That's got great. to be kidding me. He made your touch mark? Yeah. That's I think. It was, well, I think he has an advertisement maybe in a banner somewhere I saw it. And I ordered it from I'm sure. Yeah. It was a great, great service. Yeah. Great guy. Really great guy. What the hell and, is uh, going on? I stepped he, into the third third dimension here. Right? Or something. I have no idea what's yeah. happening. He bought the business, I guess, I don't know, 20 or so years ago. And uh, he's just out by the airport here in Boise, but makes some really great stuff. So he had these little tree cookie slabs and he wanted uh, for trade shows and stuff like that. He wanted just some holes CNC'd out so he could sort of set his touch marks in there, you know, facing up so he could display them. So... I'm doing a little little project for him on that, and pretty simple. We're gonna make well, sweet some man. Work. But yeah, we've this... got a we've got a um, switch gears a little bit, Ben. Yeah, uh, yeah. because we it. have some business to attend to. First and oh, foremost, yes. we want to give a big thanks to Lawrence Lake over at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com uh, yeah. as our primary uh, sponsor for the show. He is. Um, 
he has sent us all the stuff to do the I've got a bunch of swag to send to you guys, by the way. Some yeah, you keep on making that damn forge. We can actually Ooh. make it. I know, I know. <laughs> well the, so so get this. So the whole point of that forge too will be once it's done and up oh, and running. The maritime which it, forge. Then we'll the, then we'll be making the uh maritime knife, the collaboration that we're all gonna be doing. I'll be using the forge to make that. So that's uh <laughs> In a pr- in process, basically. So I'm very close Ooh, to being yeah. able to actually Ooh. use it as a functioning forge. Have we and decided we'll the, the what what kind of a knife we're gonna make? Have we have we decided that at all? Well, I was thinking about do, uh, doing a like a seven inch petty knife, uh, oh, okay. seven inch yeah. like chef petty knife uh, mix, something for a kitchen. Because um, I'm good at that, I think Brian, you're good at that. I think. That, yeah, I'll um, just uh, send it off to Tr Maker, and he can grind my yeah, he's like fucking, It's like the easy bake the, oven. Send the bill to Turkey and have a machine the thing and then bring it back. I love it. Oh, well, you'll be you used to it. I'm gonna send the him the you, raw uh, steel and have yeah. him make the Damascus. It, it won't be anything new for you, Brian. You just put a handle on it by the time it gets to you. And, no, no, you no. Know. Have him put the handle on it too. Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna, we're gonna do that, and then so just so everyone is aware, the plan is we'll make this knife, and then all three of us are gonna have a, a piece of it. And then and when yeah. it's finished, it'll go up for auction. And the, all the money is going to go towards um, medical supplies and uh, relief for the Ukrainian people who are in the middle of a conflict right now with Russia. And yeah. uh, I would love if that money went to go buy bullets. But, uh, right. you know, we can't do that directly. So we'll we'll go ahead and make sure that people have food and water and medical supplies. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, probably in the next like couple weeks to a month, I would imagine we should have that wrapped up. Yeah, oh boy, yeah. I need to uh, get Kyle on retainer so we can get that filmed. Yeah, yeah. I, I we have to talk about how we're going to do the video portion of it. I was thinking three separate videos and then one edited together video where we do yeah. some like cool um, transitions, like where maybe like I'm a cooking spinning show. The ki- <laughs> well, you know, like how people do like the, the spin camera move where they turn and then they like hand somebody oh, yeah. something kind of thing. Yeah. And then it'll be like a hand handing you like my hand handing Brian the knife. But it's not really my hand. Man, you know, that whole my, thing. my video then, skills need to step up by then. <laughs> uh, just hold your phone out Going in front of you and spin Kyle around. You'll and be Brian House. <laughs> it'll, it'll look cool. No, it'll be cool. And then we'll we'll I meld like all three together. But then you'll release your version, Brian. And then I'll release my version, and then some. And then on all three channels, we'll release like the final, you know, the compiled version or something like yeah. that. But yeah. I like it. Who knows? I like it. Yeah. Super cool. That way, there's Super a cross cool. promotion, and and Lawrence will get all of the um, the entire video, all three videos, all four videos will be essentially sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply because he yep. gave us all the the gear to do it. So. Yeah, we appreciate you, Lawrence. Thank you so much. And if you're in the market for anything to make pretty much anything these days, go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. You'd be surprised what they have. Take advantage of the Canadian to USD exchange rate and the awesome customer service that is Lawrence Lake and his team over at Maritime. So thanks so much. And switching one more time into Patreon, we need to do something about Patreon because... It's getting a little out of hand. We have 51 patrons now. Oh, so we got another get, one. We got another one. And it's um, the, one of our fellow competitors. 
I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's like Scandinavian. Nord? Nord? Artisan? Oh, cool. Yeah. I think it's Nord. It's N-J-O-R-D Artisan. And he signed up a few days ago to be on our our Patreon. So we appreciate you. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull a random 10 uh, people who uh, contribute to Patreon because it's just so hard to read all the names now. It's 51. Man, I almost think that maybe you should do like one recording and then I can have it on my roadcaster and just hit it. And then you you can then fill in the last however many. That's a really good idea. I could just, I'll do it now and then. Yeah. But see, every time we add somebody, then what do we do? We then re- you just read the read the last five or whatever it is. I got gotcha. you. Okay. And then once it gets too big, then we can just re-record with a hundred. All right. Well, right. Do you know that? <laughs> did you guys know that Ira um, Housewert is uh, is one of our contributing I patrons did. who yeah. is also happens to be on the show? Also, Ira is still using an AOL.com address. Is he really? Nice. Email address. Ira, what's going on with that? I, I have both. I have a Gmail and an AOL. It still works, you know. I, I, I <laughs> catch some hell over it, but <laughs> it's still doing People the job. People will remember it, right? That's true. I Whenever I see an AOL address, I do remember it because yeah. that was like the thing. You, you were born when? In 78? Yep, 78. Yep. So I'm 77, so we're just about the same age. So, yeah. Um, all right, real quick. I'm going to read all 51 of these. <laughs> Might as well. Let's do it. Mark do Vanderwerf, it. Justin Miller, Florida Man Forge, Devin and Dustin O'Hara of the Art of Craftsmanship, Noah Bloomberg of Entiot River Forge, Michael Nye, Jamie the Squid, Eric at Overall Maker Works, Bob Ryan, Brigham Kendell, Scott Wilkerson at Phoenix Works, Keith Drennan of Blackthorn Concepts, Bob at Shed underscore 72. Brian Hooten, Jason Moss, our man in Texas, Mark LeBlanc, north of the border, Ken Kimna, Crafty Man Forge, James Hunsberger of Hunsberger Knives, Cardoso Knives in Portugal, KnifeMaterial.at, Brian Absher of Moonshine Leatherworks, Working Hands Podcast, which I got a story about that too, Ryan yeah, Coakley, too. Carol Ann Jeanette Racine, Oxford Blade Co., MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, Richard Beck of BecksArmory.com, Jared Weaver, Leon Shanks of Two Birds Blade Works. Oh, and by the way, today's dad joke was brought to you by Leon. That nice. was Leon Shanks. Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knife Works, Thomas Moberg of TMO Knives, Donnie Dulovich, Bruce G. Carlson, Maximus Knives, Brad Troxclair, Echo Blades, Jared at Echo Blades, Nate Walpole, Zach Byrne, Burn Blades, Full Steam Designs, but Chris Powell, he was on the show last week. Awesome dude. Matthew Angel at ad.knifeworks, Wesley Crum, Benjamin Mullins, Matt Bicker, Dustin Yahima, Toby Mural of UK Knife Maker Supplies, Jeremy Ballaball, Ira Housewert, Reaper Metalworks, Chris Larson, and Njord Artisan. There it is. Do, 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 do. All right, we got it. In <laughs> the can. Now that's not too bad to read. I want yeah, it wasn't terrible. But here's the thing. I want everyone who supports us on Patreon to know how much it means to me that you're doing this. Not for just the financial contribution, but because we know that you support what we do here at Workforce, yep. which is, you know, talking about business in the workshop. And what I've the overarching theme of our podcast, as you know, is you know, money making endeavors in your workspace, right? Making things. But I really love the messages I get from people when they tell us specific stories about how we talked about something on the show and it benefited them 
in their workshop, not just from a project standpoint, but from also like a business standpoint. You know, they're mm-hmm. learning things from us by us just what we think is BSing around, but they're learning things. <laughs> right. And I love that and I love those stories and I appreciate them. So it's, it makes me feel like we're doing good and we're helping fellow makers do better work and make more money in their workshops. So thank you so much to everybody over there at Patreon. And speaking of Patreon, the Work For It podcast is now supporting the Working Hands podcast, Everybody's which is Tony working. Woodward and um, Chad over at Chad's Custom Creations and Keith Drennan. And those three guys have become like friends of mine now. I, I If you're not listening to that podcast, you really should. It's a, such a great yeah. podcast. Great dudes. And Good podcast. Great dudes. And so we're we're supporting them now every month. And I think it's important because they support our work too. But I, I would do it anyway, just because I really love that podcast. Yeah. It's such a great podcast. So go ahead and listen to that. And then um, one other thing is the money that comes in from both our sponsorships and our patrons helps fund trips like this year, Brian and I, I don't know, Ben, if you're going to make it, but Brian and I and I are going to go to Blade Show this year. So some of that trip, Brian, will be covered by the beautiful people over at Patreon. So you Holy won't be footing cow. the entire bill. Really? So just be aware of that. Really? This is this is I, news to me. I didn't realize that that's what it was going. Oh, my. I, I set aside about $7.50. Oh, great. From that account. <laughs> Get a burger. So I'm kidding. Of course. There's So just at the time of this recording, there's $827. In that nice. account, and that some of that money, like you know, however we decide we want to split it up, will help pay for your airfare or whatever, and my airfare to get up there. So uh, you now, won't be footing the whole bill. Now, I mean, I'm I'm gonna try not to get emotional about this, but you know, I've been saving I've been saving money to go to this blade show just because I want to meet all these people, and a part of that is I've like. I've recouped, you know how I've been saving for Emily's ring, and I've recouped pretty much enough to get that again or go to Blade Show. Oh, so, I see. So, so maybe this will help uh, do both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be huge. <laughs> yeah, so, so you and I will talk specific numbers, but, it, you know, we'll figure out, you know, how much we can put towards it and yeah it'll take a little bit of the financial pressure off well shit guys thank there. you Hell thank yeah. you to everybody who's supporting thank us, the patrons dude that is huge that's huge thank you that's all of them so you guys mm-hmm. sent brian to blade show this year so thank you so much your boy just got goosebumps thank you guys i appreciate it yeah. hell yeah man yep. and i will be there too i'm gonna go i was gonna say so. yeah i think i don't know if i'll be able to make it but you guys take the money and run baby ira do you ever do stuff like that go to like uh those events no, I've never been to one. I've been thinking about this one, and I guess Blade Show West though is going to be closer to me, so I may do that. And that's Salt Lake. Yeah, Salt Lake in 2023, right? No, I, no actually, I think it's in the fall of 2022, maybe October oh, or something. Oh, right is on, it? Right First oh, of October in there. For that. Well, if you ever come to Atlanta, we got to hang out. I will be in Colorado first week of July. And I'm going to spend a little bit more time. So Ron is flying us up there. And then I'm going to teach the classes. I have two classes to teach. And then I'm going to stay like an additional like four or five days, I think. So I'll be up and roaming around the hills and mountains of Colorado singing uh, John Denver songs most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Smoking uh, the hashish. Yeah, I'll have some ideas for you. 
All right. Oh, good. Yeah, I need. To, I have never been to Colorado. It's like one of the states I've never been to, so I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. Well, gentlemen, we're hour twenty one in. Is there anything anybody wants to bring up, Ira? You did you get it all out of your system? You know, talking about the show and uh, your work, and you have anything you want to promote or bring up? No, I think that's it. I think it was a okay. good time. Yeah, it's so awesome to have you on the show, and we really appreciate you taking this hour and a half with us. And then also, just know in the future, uh, if you ever want to come to Florida, you have an open door invitation. Come here and uh, you know relax on the beach a little bit and hang out with us, or come to the workshop, hang out here too. You know, it's always yeah, fun, love fun to be had in the workshop. Yeah, it'd be cool. I don't know about you, Ira, but I think I would prefer to be in Brian's workshop than out on a beach somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Workshop's pretty cool, yeah. We 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 we're, uh, we do some pretty fun stuff in here. I think Tobin is coming down. Yeah, he said he's been, that. I was been itching to get that. down. My my that. thought for Nick was I wanted to get him to fly to Blade and then from Atlanta come to Florida and hang out oh, here. Oh yeah. Bit, you know, bounce down that way he's out of the country just for like ten days or something. But mm-hmm. we'll see. But uh, yeah, it'd be good to have Nick in the workshop. He just wants to come here and make stuff. He's like, I just want to come and hang out in your workshop for like a week. Like, yeah, I've I've invited Nick back on the podcast. He's like, no, the next time I'm on the podcast, I need to be sitting across the table yep. from Brian. That's ah. exactly what he said to me, too. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah, we do need to have him on regardless of his locale. So he mm-hmm. needs to come on because I miss Mr. Pickle Cutters. Hells so. yeah. Brian, hit that exit music, would you? Sure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We truly, truly appreciate it. If you're a patron, uh, thank you so much. And if you're not a patron, consider doing so. Uh, Every week, the show grows and grows and grows, and we are dedicated to bringing you more information about uh, business in the workshop. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys have a good working week, and I hope you're looking forward to summer because I know a lot of you are up there. All right, y'all. Have a great, great week. Adios. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you later. Oh, yeah. Man, this just, just keeps going. This I know. Somebody's oh, right normally, normally right I hit it early fade. so that it kind of like is at the last little bit, but. No. <laughs> I always did. I always thought you were playing this live, like on a guitar <laughs> in your shop. Yeah, that's exactly what a trombone sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tuba, isn't it? Oh, yeah.